Oh soul, my soul, are you weary and troubled? No night so dark that our eyes cannot see. There's light so bright as we look to our Savior. Life more abundant and free. Life more abundant and free. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And the things of earth will grow strangely dim. In the light of His glory and grace. God, our God, You are with us in darkness. Your Word, Your light is leading us on. Our hearts can hear You, Heavenly Father, calling us all to Your Son. Calling us all to your Son. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Turn our eyes to you, beholding all your beauty. You are holy. We turn our eyes to you, beholding all your beauty. You are holy. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face, and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. In the light of his glory and Good morning, Alliance Bible Church. For the announcements today, we're going to tell you about the encouragement team. We want to remind you that just like the connection cards, we're trying to keep in touch with you. We're trying to find out if you have any prayer requests. You know, prayer is the most we can do to, to help you, to uh, show love for you, is to pray. So we really, really appreciate you contacting your, your uh, encouragement team person, or when they contact you, you share prayer requests. We'd really encourage that. Um, we also want you to know that the small groups are still going. There's one meeting on Tuesdays and two meeting on Wednesdays. We'd love to have you join any one of those. You can contact Sue at the church if you need to know times or who the leader is or anything like that. And those small groups are still doing a sermon-based uh, questions about what you heard and you hear in today's sermon. So... We'd love to love to have you join us. <clears throat> also, today, this afternoon, uh, 
were having a, a drive-by for the Wierzynski family. They kind of stepped down and moved on at a time when they closed the churches. So we were unable to have a celebration, a potluck, a something for them to show them our love and to, to move them on. So we're going to do it t- today, this afternoon. Uh, encouragement team person is supposed to have contacted you and given you your time. But if you haven't heard and you would like to come anytime between 2 and 4, just please maintain some kind of, of distance and then concern for other people. We'd uh, really, really appreciate that. Also, the um, Pastor Search Committee has 56 resumes. That has been narrowed down to six primary that, that we're really interested in and about seven more that we're keeping on the back burner. And uh, yesterday, we uh, interviewed the first person, which was uh, beneficial. And this coming Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday, we're interviewing the next three, and then next Saturday, we're interviewing the last two, and that will be all those six. Pray that, uh, that one or two of those really stumps to the forefront for us that uh, we really feel like maybe God is leading us to pointing us in that direction. We would really appreciate it. Um, If you have any questions, of course, please contact Sue in the office. She's here uh, Monday, Tuesdays, and Thursdays. Uh, Finally, we work on the offering. Uh, We need to still support this church, and there's several ways you can give. You can drop off money, you can mail it in, or you can get on the church website and donate that way. And if, if you would, we'd appreciate it. We thank you, we love you, and uh, let's pray for the offering. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for today. Lord, we thank you for the Wozinski family, that uh, the work they did here at this church, and we pray that their, uh, their new mission in life that you've given them uh, is, is beneficial, brings you glory and honor. We thank you for that. And Lord, we pray that uh, you help today's sermon to uh, benefit all of us, that we remember it and we use it to grow. We thank you for Terry Eichelberger for uh, teaching the message. Lord, we love you and we praise you and we thank you for the offering. In Jesus' name, amen. Have a nice day. Love you all. Good morning, Alliance Church. This week's scripture reading is Ephesians 2. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. But because of his great love for us, God, who was rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace that you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God not by works, so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. 
Therefore, remember that you who are Gentiles by birth and called uncircumcised by those who call themselves the circumcised, which is done in the body by human hands, remember that at that time you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel and foreigners to the covenants of the promise without hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility by setting aside in his flesh the law with its commands and regulations. His purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace and in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross, by which he put to death their hostility. He came and preached peace to you who were far away and peace to those who were near. For through him we both have access to the Father by one spirit. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself, the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple to the Lord. And in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. That's the reading. Thank you. Hey, everyone. Thanks for inviting me back again. I appreciate being with you. Um, I was talking to Pastor Steve and listened to his message. I'm really glad we're in the book of Ephesians. He began the introduction of Ephesians, talking about the church establishing its identity, some of the challenges in establishing identity as a church and we as individuals. I want to pick up on that idea as we continue today. And I want to invite you into a context that um, is an unfortunate one, but I think we're all familiar with it, and that is the reading of a will. Reading of a will that takes place after someone has died, and then reading the will, we hear about their intentions and how to carry out the estate. In this case, I want you to join me in looking at the second chapter of Ephesians as a kind of document like that, where someone has died. And in that, the will of that person is revealed, and we get to listen to what that is, specifically the gospel. Jesus, when he died, opened up a new covenant, New Testament, the will of God in a new and living way that was now that Jesus died. I want you to join me in just reading through the second chapter of Ephesians from that point of view, as if you're invited to the reading of a will and you're going to listen to what the intentions are for you that are inheriting all of the riches that are destined for this new household, this new uh, body, this new family that is being formed because Jesus has died. Now, as we look at that, there's some things I need you to sign off on. So just like you would receive a 
a notice in the mail or maybe a phone call saying you have been invited to come to the reading of a will, uh, there's some documents that you need to sign. So if you could maybe just make this real and practical, take out a piece of paper and write down on the notes the things that you are going to be required to initial. In order to go on with the reading of the will, we need to have you acknowledge certain things in order for uh, the will to be read so that it's sure and clear that you understand what it is that you're getting into. I want you to look with me at those three things mentioned in Ephesians chapter 1 where Paul says, I want to pray for you so that the spirit of wisdom and revelation would be on you and your eyes would be opened, the eyes of your heart enlightened, so that you would understand three things. And so if you have your paper and you're going to write this down, I need you to initial that you have understood and received three things in prayer. Paul prayed this for believers. First, that you would have the hope of his calling. Second, that you would know the riches of the inheritance in the saints. And thirdly, that you would understand the great power that is at work in us that believe. It's the power that raised Jesus from the dead. So in order for us to really be qualified and ready to listen to the reading of the will, I need you to check off these things that you personally can do, saying, yes, I have received an enlightened heart and I can see the hope of my calling in Christ. Initial that. I also recognize that I have been given an inheritance in the saints, a down payment by the gift of the Holy Spirit. Ephesians chapter 1 said that the Holy Spirit is given to us as a down payment. And now we are aware of the riches in the saints and the down payment given to us in the Holy Spirit Sign off on that. Say, yes, I acknowledge that that is in my life. Number three, the power that is at work in us. We need to sign off that this is not our power, it's not our doing, but it is the Holy Spirit of God, is the Lord at work in us. Sign off on that. And then we're ready to read from the will of God. Looking at it in those terms, I... I I just hope that you can find it to be practical and real like we talk about it in everyday language. Let's read the will of our Father. And in doing so, I want it to be an application as it is in real life. When we read our Father's will, I kind of remember that, kind, that idea. My father didn't leave me a gigantic estate, but he did leave ideas that he wanted us to carry on much of it was in terms of his faith and he hoped for us that we would carry on some of the things that mattered to him the most i would like for us to read with that kind of personal connection as if we ourselves were personally related to father in the way that we are earthly we know scripture tells us that we are related to our Father in heaven as adopted children and listening to him tell us what it is that he desires of us can be life-changing. 
We hope to live our lives to please our Father and do what our Father asked of us. I want us to read it in that context, keeping in mind these three things, that we would be aware that His calling on our lives is to be holy, to be without blame, and to be adopted as children through Jesus Christ. I'm quoting what it says in Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 4. These three things were the intention of the Father and His will for believers. And I'd like to connect those things then into chapter 2 and what it says in the first 10 verses about the Father's will. Let's look first at Ephesians 2 where it says there that because of His great love for us, this is verse 4, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in trespasses. It is by grace that you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with Him in heavenly realms. God's intention is that we would be holy. It describes here what He did to bring about that process. It's important that you understand when we talk about being holy, it, it has two aspects to it, really. Holiness is often used to describe a, a designated object or something that is set, a, set apart to be holy, as in the temple where they had a, a drinking glass and it was set aside to be holy. It was used for that purpose. So it was taken away from just regular use and it was moved into the temple where it was used for something holy, something in the, in the ministry. This is what God has done for us. As you, as you see, it was described here. He took us from a place where we served the prince of the power of the air. As the scripture reading we had earlier, it said that we lived as children of disobedience. And God took us from there and moved us into another place where he seated us with Christ in heavenly realms. In that way, making us holy making us set apart from where we were in the world, in the natural way, and moved us into the heavenly realm, seated with Christ, so we are designated for a holy purpose. Secondly, holiness is also a part of our character. It's part of the character of God. And His intention is that we would no longer be disobedient, but that we would be obedient. And so holiness has this aspect of character and morality and obedience. This was his intention, and he has done this through Christ for us. He's carrying out his own will in regards to us. Secondly, the thing that God intended for us is that we would be blameless. Being blameless is carried out, if you read there, in the fact that he has saved us saved us from our sins, from our transgressions. He has paid our debts. So the idea that God wanted us to be blameless would be like saying, I want you to be free of debt. I want you to be no longer obligated to any other kind of, you know, any other kind of debtor or pursuit. And nobody has any ties of obligation on you. You're free completely to come and live in a new way and, and serve in a new family. 
And this was God's intention, and he carried this out through the blood of Jesus Christ. Forgiving our sins, having all of our ties to the world paid for, and we owe nothing, no obligation to the sin of the flesh, no obligation to our natural bent towards disobedience, because we have been set free and we are blameless. This was the will of God for us. Thirdly, he has designated us to live in power. This idea is accomplished through what he says he desires to do in adoption. So we are adopted as children through Jesus Christ. This was his will, this was his intention, and he carried it out in the sense that now we have been called not just from sin and from disobedience, but into a family where we are becoming children of God. Legally, it's called justification, where we are being brought in legally as children of God. And you know that passage in John where it says, those who receive Jesus, he has given them the right to be called children of God. It's a legal transaction that has taken place, and it gives us access to the power of God's family, the power of the Spirit. The Spirit was, was the power that raised Jesus from the dead and has now risen with, uh, given us resurrection to rise and be seated with Christ in heavenly realms. The will of God is accomplishing this for us. As it is clearly stated, we are saved by grace through faith. It is not of ourselves. It's a gift from God. It's not of works so that we cannot boast. And so having been adopted as children, we are his workmanship, it says there in verse 10. We are his workmanship, created in Christ to do good work. I like reading the will of God. Reading the will of God is finding an identity based on what is being said about us, being worthy of these things, not because of who we are, but as the scripture says, the incredible loving kindness of God towards us gives us this identity as holy, blameless, and adopted children through Jesus Christ. This being said, Jesus then comes into this and he is going to fulfill the will of God, carry out the purpose of the will of God in our lives and specifically in the church. Remember, Jesus said to his disciples, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. So as we move into the next part of this chapter, starting in verse 11, we're told there to remember how we used to be Gentiles, we used to be apart from God, we used to be outside of the covenant, and now God's will has brought us in. We should remember that this is all accomplished because of and through Jesus Christ. What is his purpose? What does he intend to do? As we read in the scripture, it says his intention is to build a building or build a household from the believers on the foundation of the prophets and the apostles, cornerstone being Jesus himself, and we are being 
brought in and made into a building or a household for the dwelling place of God. Previously, in chapter 1, remember, it was God's intention and the description of this whole work that was going on as a unity in the body of Christ. And now it's another analogy saying not only is the body of Christ, but a building where this is going to involve a family and a household idea. And so later on in Ephesians, it even goes to another analogy, which is expanding on these into the idea that the church is the bride of Christ. And we have these three all really agreeing with each other, but at different aspects of the relationship that God is building with us. A body of Christ, a building in Christ, and the bride of Christ. Jesus intends to bring about the will of God through this process of building a church, building a community. This week we're going to celebrate as a church calendar the day of Pentecost. Uh, As I just think about what happened at the first day of Pentecost that we celebrate as the modern church when the Holy Spirit was poured out in Jerusalem and uh, the gospel was spoken in all the different languages of people that were there and they said, we hear the, the words of God in our own language. Now consider this as a fulfillment of the very thing that Jesus is doing. He's taking Groups of people that were from far and groups of people that are near, as the scripture is saying. So Jesus makes peace so there's no barriers between the near and the far. And he draws them together in this amazing event at the Pentecost where people from all the different languages hear the gospel and they hear the words of God and they come to believe. We see this extended into the the heavenly realms in the book of Revelation, that that place where nations are gathered around the throne, every tribe, every tongue, and they all sing the same song and we all will say, worthy is the Lamb. The angels say, He is worthy because He is the one who purchased from all the nations people to worship, people to serve God. This concept is is what I, I just see as the documents for the church. This is the reason why we gather, is to fulfill the will of God. We are called to become a family. We are called to gather together in a community. And it's very specific for what Jesus wants to accomplish. Just to maybe bring that to home for us, I want to go through a little bit with you about the Christian Missionary Alliance. Uh, Just maybe saying, well, how are we doing? And then I would like to get even more specific and talk about the Alliance Bible Church of Hillsborough and, and say, well, how are we doing? And first of all, the Christian Missionary Alliance has in itself an interesting name that is, I think, a real good example fulfilling what Jesus has in mind. The word alliance. Gathering together of differing people, differing uh, in, in maybe backgrounds, differing in nationality. Of course, we have the idea that a missionary alliance is to be nations from all of the world brought together to worship in a church. The church not being a building, but a movement of people that 
have come to Christ and are following him together in community. So the Alliance has some mottos and, and, and some vision statements and mission statements that I think are really good if I can just kind of wave that flag a little bit for the Christian Missionary Alliance. As, as we look at some of the mission statement and vision statement, the Alliance says that we are a great commandment group of people. The great commandment of uh, what Jesus said, the greatest commandment, is that we love one another. We love God. And this greatest commandment is, is one of the, the kinds of DNA glue that hold us together as a, as a group of people, as the Alliance. Secondly, we have a great commission as a very important part of our, uh, as our movement. And the great commission, Jesus is saying to us, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all the nations and make disciples in all the nations. As you see, those, those are statements that come into alignment with what it is that Jesus is trying to do in building the church, taking people from near, taking people from far, and bringing them together into one body and one household of faith. As we look at the current uh, statement that uh, President John Stumble uses when he describes who we are as the Alliance, he, he describes us as a Christ-centered Acts 1-8 family. That's kind of in some of our documents, and it's, it's just one of those phrases that we try to say, well, this is part of who we are. Christ-centered. That's putting Jesus as the head, as the cornerstone, as that chief of among us all and that's the proper alignment to god's will in this case as we look at the acts 1 8 the empowerment of the spirit to be witnesses to all from from jerusalem to samaria and to all the parts of the world this is the core of what jesus is trying to do in the church and and praise god that's at the core of what the christian missionary alliance is about and as we look at the, the phrase, the Acts 1-8 family, we realize that this is really God's heart, is to bring about this community, not as a, a functional business kind of venture, but a family, a real family, where we love and serve one another in that context. So, let's consider Hillsborough Alliance Church trying to establish through redevelopment, um, what are we going to do as we move forward as a church? Who are we going to be? What do we say about ourselves in the process? There's necessary bylaws, you know, to describe how we're going to do this. And I would just say, let's, let's find encouragement in knowing the will of God in a very practical sense that we look at chapter 2 and say, here's a Here's a set of bylaws. Here's a set of statements that could define our identity and our purpose. And if we could begin there as a foundational kind of vision, how do we make practical steps in carrying out the purpose of God, the Father, and what Jesus Christ is trying to do? I want to just close with a passage from Acts chapter 4, which is... Uh, really the context of a church trying to find its identity and develop into what it is that God wants to do. 
Acts chapter 4 is a description of the church gathering together for a prayer meeting. It was after Peter and John had been arrested, beaten, and told, never preach in Jesus' name again. We don't want this in our public. We don't want this at the temple. Just don't preach anymore about Jesus. And Peter and John came back to the gathering in the community, and they came together to pray. And this prayer they prayed is from Psalm chapter 2 as its text. And uh, I think it's, it's a good chapter to read if you read all of Psalm 2 to get an idea of God's intention for the church and, and the mission of the, of the gospel to the world. But in this particular meeting, they, they used part of Psalm 2. And if you want to turn to Acts chapter 4, you can see what they, what they read from Psalm 2. Verse 25. You spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, our father David. Why do the nations rage? Why do the people plot in vain? The kings of the earth take their stand, and the rulers gather together against the Lord and against His anointed one. This was the text of their prayer meeting. And what they said is, I think, very instructive, very helpful for us in establishing some of what we can do today in setting priority for why we get together. What do we pray about? What's the focus of our purpose as a church? Here's what they said. Look upon their threats. Well, what were the threats? They said, well, look what they did. They crucified Jesus, and now they're persecuting us. And they said, Lord, look upon the threat. And they invited the Lord into their world. I mean, they said, look at what's happening to us. Lord, be with us. Come and be present with us. I mean, that's an incredibly important reason that we gather, is that the Lord's presence is there with us. As Jesus said, when two or three gather together, there I promise to be. It's so important that we gather together at some point. This, this is God's purpose. It's where He pours out something special as we gather together. Uh, I look forward to that happening soon, hopefully, that we can all be together in one place. Secondly, they said, enable us to speak the word boldly. Enable us to speak the word boldly. So they first had said, look at the threat out there. But give us boldness to speak boldly the gospel, the word of God. And then the third thing they said, and you, God, stretch out your hand and work wonders in the name of Jesus. And the scripture says that the place in which they were gathered shook and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and they did speak the word of God boldly. I would offer to you that this Example can be every day for us. At least it's a goal worth striving for. 
that our prayer can be this kind of prayer. So as we, con as we just conclude this, I, I want us to consider how it is that our planning for church, how it is that our structures of bylaws and you know, how we're going to do church align with God's will. As I said before when we started, if, if we could just get the sense of uh, our Father has given us this instruction to carry out and we are personally engaged in this and we want to do what pleases Him. How will our church fulfill the Father's will in that way? Well, here's three things that I think are important for us. One is to answer the call. He has given us a hope of our calling and that we are committed to answer the call. And when there's opportunity to gather together, when we have a place that we have to come together, that we do it. And that it doesn't just you know, become a passive thing or, or maybe a, a lesser important, but it is a priority for us. Something that we don't get to do when we're separated like this is what we call communion. The word of uh, a gathering together and, and remembering the body of Christ. This is one of the bylaws that's in the book of Ephesians, is that we are a community that commemorates the body of Christ through this communion. And I value it highly. I, I think it's one of the most important things that we do as a church, is share in communion, not just simply the giving and taking of bread and, and a drink, but the ideas that are there that bring us together. And secondly, then, how do we align with God's will? By inheriting the riches of the saints. This is what God's will intends for us. What does that mean in practical terms? I think it means loving each other, looking to uh, how we serve one another, and realizing that we're not in this just me and Jesus. It's not something we do just so that I can come to church and have my needs met as an individual. But we come as a body and a community in order to serve one another and inherit the riches of the presence of Jesus together. And thirdly, to receive the power. This is what God intends. That we would have the knowledge of the power as that work in us. That we are worshiping together, inviting the Holy Spirit to have His way to come and to fill us with the knowledge of God's will, teach us to follow God's will, counsel us in how to do that. These are the things that Jesus said the Holy Spirit would do. I encourage Hillsborough Alliance, as you're in a unique situation of being able to decide we're not going to do church like we used to, so how are we going to do church now? And what a fresh opportunity to think about, first of all, what does God say about us? And then, how do we make plans to align ourselves with Him? So that verse 10 of, of this chapter can really be true for us. That we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, 
and he has prepared for us to do. Well, I pray a blessing on Hillsborough Alliance for that reason. And I would just close in prayer, inviting you, Holy Spirit, to fill each member of the Hillsborough Alliance Church with the, the wisdom and the revelation to know Jesus better. That they would have the enlightened hearts to know the hope of their calling, the riches of the great inheritance we have in Christ, and the power that is at work in us. Spirit of God, bless this church and shine your light on the path that you have prepared for them. For in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine! Heir of salvation, purchase of God, born of His Spirit, washed in His blood. This is my story. This is my song, praising my Savior. This is my story, this is my song, praising my Savior all the day long. Perfect submission, perfect delight, visions of rapture now burst on my side. Angels descending, bring from above, echoes of mercy, whispers of my story, this is my song, praising my Savior all the day long. This is my story, this is my song, praising my Savior all the day long. Perfect submission, all is at rest, I am my Savior and and blessed, watching and waiting, looking above, filled with his goodness, lost in his love. This is my story, this is my song, praising my Savior all the day long. This is my story, this is my song. Praising my Savior all the day long.